Would you turn with me this evening to Proverbs, the fourth chapter. Proverbs, the fourth chapter. We've been talking about the spiritual man for months now. And uh, I keep thinking I'm about through, and then I see that I'm not. And we begin, uh, you know, talking about controlling the flesh and how not to be flesh ruled and flesh dominated. We want to be strong spiritually, like the master. And there are spiritual principles that govern, uh, scriptural principles that govern spiritual development, just like physical development. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Go to 1 Timothy 4, then we'll go to Proverbs 4. Go to 1 Timothy 4. Let's read this, then let's go to Proverbs. In 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter, he says this in verse 6. 1 Timothy 4, 6. He said, if you put the brethren in remembrance of these things... You'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine whereunto you have attained, but refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, the margin says, for a little time. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. He mentions two basic things here. He says, nourished up in the words of faith and exercising yourself in godliness. He compares it to physical exercise. Really, the principles that govern physical development are just like the principles that govern spiritual development. There's really a cycle, if you will, consisting of three major components. Physically, we know it to be true. Number one is nourishment. How many know you can't develop physically without nourishment? You have to eat. And if you want to develop a strong physical body, you can't just eat potato chips only. Right? You need... Some good quality food. But is that all there is to it? Will you become strong and healthy just eating? No. No, it takes another component. (laughs) Exercise. It's not a dirty word. (laughs) I saw folks shaking all over the place. Oh, exercise. Don't cuss, Brother Keith. Exercise is a good thing. You just need to find out what you enjoy, what works for you. Don't take anybody else's regimen or program, but you need some kind of activity. You need to move, right? Need to get the blood flowing. Need to breathe in and out. You do, don't you? You need something that pushes you some. And really, the better shape you get in, you get to where you enjoy it. I was very athletic all my youth and into my late 20s especially, before I went to Bible school. And uh, then I had to get stirred up again. And man, you you know, the better shape you're in, you enjoy exercise. And uh, don't be discouraged, just do something. If it's just walking around the house, do something and be moving. Well, uh, with nourishment and exercise, there's a third component, it's rest. You know, uh, bodybuilders know this. I mean, you can eat all the, drink all the protein shakes and all the stuff you want to, and you can push all the weights you want to around. But really, when the muscles get bigger, which means stronger, is while you sleep. While you rest, your blood, you know, washes out the overloaded cells, and the body's so amazing, it figures out, hey, these muscle fibers and cells weren't big enough to do the job they're trying to do, so we're going to have to build some bigger ones in their place. The body's amazing. Everybody say nourishment, Nourishment. exercise, Exercise. rest. That's a cycle. Then if you want to get bigger and stronger, more nourishment, more exercise, and rest. Spiritually, it is exactly the same way. Spiritually, you need to eat just like physically. But you don't feed your spirit 
uh, you know, bologna sandwiches or peas and cornbread. Anybody know what peas and cornbread are around here? You feed your spirit nourished up in the words of faith. One reason we want you to read this chapter every day and read it in faith. Don't just read it, this dead legalistic routine. Read it in faith. I mean, before you read Titus 1 on Monday, you throw the Bible open and you say, Ooh, boy, I'm going to get something out of this. Yes, sir, this is going to feed my spirit. I'm going to see some things that I let slip, and I'm going to see some new things I hadn't seen before. It's going to feed me and quicken me, strengthen my faith. Amen? All right, here we go. Let's eat. It'll help you if you think like that. Instead of just saying, let's read some, let's feed our faith. Let's feed our spirit. And then read. Well, you know, good uh, teaching and preaching that's word and faith will feed you. Good books and tapes that are word. And I don't just mean on the subject of faith, of faith. How many understand you don't want to hear any unbelieving preaching? You don't want to read any unbelieving books. You don't listen to any doubt tapes or doubt music. Do you? That will not feed your spirit. Things that will feed your spirit are things that put faith into you. Confidence in you. Amen. Amen. Now is that all there is to developing and becoming strong spiritually? What else do we have to have? That E word. Exercise. You have to exercise your faith. You can't just eat. You know, that's one reason why you got a lot of people that they go to everybody's convention and everybody's meeting and got everybody in their brother and sister's tape series and and book and 20 years of this and they still are weak spiritually and not receiving what they need. How could that be? Well, you got to exercise your faith. You got to start where you are, like we talked about last week, you know. Uh, start believing God for lunch money. Believe God for a tank of gas. Start where you are or you stay where you are. But like Dr. Mueller said, who uh, had orphanages years ago, he said when he first started believing God, it took all the faith he had to believe for one dollar. Of course, that was several years ago too, you understand. A lot more money than it is today. But he said, what, well, I think it was 40 or 50 years of feeding his faith on the Word of God and exercising it every day to feed all those boys and run all those orphanages. He said at the end of 50 years, it was just as easy for him to believe for $1 million as it was back 50 years ago to believe for a dollar. Why? Not only was he feeding his faith, he was, or you could say he was using it. He was using his faith. Well, not only that, you must also what? Nourishment, exercise, and rest. We ended up last week talking about resting. Now, the thing that we got into last week is what the Lord spoke to me some years ago. He said, Keith, he said, you can do all of this. You can feed your spirit. You can exercise your spirit. You can rest in me, and you still be weak, wind up weak. I thought, no way. No way. I've talked this for years. This, You do this, and you'll get strong. He said, no. And I didn't understand it until I was filling the bathtub one day. And I went and turned the water on and went about to do something else. And I came back and the tub, well, I mean, been running for minutes. And the tub still is just about that much water in the bottom of the tub. Can you imagine why it was that way? I did not close the drain. Hmm? And so though I had it running in just fine and full, it was a running out just as fast. And I saw it. You can feed your spirit. You can exercise your spirit. You can become stronger. But there are things that will drain you. Spiritually. And if you don't eliminate the drains. You will not develop and become strong. Like you're supposed to. Go with me if you would. to uh, Let's read three scriptures here. Go back to Proverbs. Proverbs. The fourth chapter. And I wanted this out of the Amplified. Proverbs 4. Are you there? Most of you know this passage of Scripture. Proverbs 4 talks about God's words. Our life to us. Those who find them. Health and healing to all their flesh. And verse 23. Proverbs 4.23. Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard. For out of it... Flow the springs of life. Out of what? 
out of your heart. That's your inner man. We could also say your spirit. We're going over to the 18th chapter. I just want you to read these three before we go on. 18 and 14. 18, 14. It says in the Amplified, The strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak and broken spirit who can raise up or bear. What's going to get you through a rough time in life? You know, some people leave the impression that if you have enough faith, you'll never have any problems. Well, that's simply not true. Being a faith person does not uh, insulate you from having to deal with anything. Being a faith person, though, assures that you will overcome every obstacle. Being a faith person means you'll always triumph. You won't quit till you do. Everybody say, we win. Now, uh, he said the strong spirit will sustain you even in bodily pain or trouble. What will get you through physical pain? Disease, attack. A strong spirit will get you through so that you overcome. Amen? Well, a weak spirit who can raise up or bear, the scripture said. Go on over then to 2 Corinthians. These are the three scriptures I wanted you to read. 2 Corinthians and the fourth chapter. 2 Corinthians 4.16, and again, this is the Amplified. 2 Corinthians 4.16. He says, therefore, we do not become discouraged. Listen to this. Utterly spiritless, exhausted, and wearied out through fear. See, that's the first one we talked about last week, wasn't it? That'll drain you. Fear. Fear and fretting, worry, anxiety. He says, though our outward man is progressively decaying and wasting away, yet our inner self is being progressively renewed day by day or day after day. We don't become discouraged. We don't become spiritless. I like this language here. We don't become utterly spiritless, exhausted, and wearied out through fear. Now, if you are strong in spirit, it's going to affect your body. Did you hear me? It's going to affect your mind. If you're strong in spirit, you're not going to be discouraged. You're not going to be talking about giving up. It's when you get weak in spirit. We live in a society where it is a virtual, oh, what's the word? I mean, it's an epidemic of tiredness. We even have new technical names for tired diseases, like chronic fatigue syndrome and other things. What does it mean, fatigue? Tired? Weary? And it is so many people you talk to, you won't be talking to them five minutes until something will come up about either being busy or being tired. Now, we've already talked about that before in here. And let me challenge you to not talk tiredness and don't talk busyness. So many times people's busy, their level of busyness is nothing to brag about. They're really missing God. Busy with a lot of stuff they got no business being busy with. And you know, I'll just say this, and I know sometimes people don't like it, but do you know you have to miss God and be disobedient to burn out? Huh? You do. Whether it's in the ministry or in some other way, you have to miss God. You have to disobey God to burn out. God's not a harsh, unreasonable taskmaster. He doesn't push you to the breaking point and you fall down and him kick you and say, get up, boy, we got work to do. (laughs) Is he a hard taskmaster? Is he a good God? I found out he believes in vacations. Yeah. 
Phyllis and I went years and years without one. And there are seasons for things. There are times when you, you know, you work longer hours and you put more into something. But there needs to be seasons of rest too. Because we're mortal. Yeah, we got the Holy Ghost in us. Yes, we know about faith. But that's not going to make us immortal now. Hmm? And all of us have our limits. And a lot of times if you push till you find them, you've missed it. You know what I mean? I don't care who you are. You know, I'm like so many other folk, you know, young and dumb. Think you're invincible. Think you can do everything. We did some foolish things in the beginning days of our ministry. Hey, man, got to reach the world. Got to get out there and get it done. And people say dumb things like, well, I'd rather burn out than rust out. I'd rather not do either one. I'd rather obey God. I don't think either one of those would be the will of God, would it? No. I mean, you know, there were times that we'd, I'd speak 25 times in a week. Speak 20 times in a five day week. And then hang a jet and go to the west coast and do five services and, and hang the red eye flight back and be in service Sunday in another state. Just wild stuff like that. <laughs> and maybe the next Monday you're feeling kind of weary. <laughs> and I, I get a good meal, get some extra sleep and still by Wednesday, I feel tired and I think, well, I've had plenty of sleep. I've had plenty to eat and I'm still tired. And it took me a while to realize I'm tired on the inside. Did you know you can be weary in your spirit? But now just think about this verse right here. The outward man is perishing. It's growing older. It's decaying. But the inward man is what? Renewed. Day by day. Well, if you couldn't be depleted, you wouldn't need to be renewed. You have the Holy Spirit in you. He doesn't get weary. But you're not the Holy Spirit. Your spirit is not the Holy Spirit. Your spirit can get weary. Hmm? And it's a problem when you're weak in spirit. And do you know the enemy is a laying for you? Waiting and watching till you get weak. That's when he wants to hit you. Hmm? He doesn't want to take you on when you're strong. He watches and waits till you get weak, till he catches you down. And then he wants to pile everything he can on you, hoping to overwhelm you. Hoping to bring you to despair. Anybody notice that's the way he works? It is. So the wise Christian will keep themselves strong and keep him waiting. (laughs) Huh? You like that? Yeah. You know, he never could catch Jesus weak. He couldn't. You remember in the temptation wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, the devil pulled every stop. He did every trick on Jesus that he'd ever, that had worked with other human beings. He used, for, you know, there's a lot going on for 40 days and 40 nights. He did everything until he finally ran out. He got to the place where nothing had worked. Jesus didn't bite on any of it. He wouldn't succumb to any temptation. And the Bible said he left. Didn't he left and waited for another more convenient season? Hmm? Well, Jesus is our master. He's also our example. He wants us to be like that. Keep ourselves built up. Keep ourselves strong. Keep the devil waiting. Huh? Well, let's talk some more about this. We said in review... That some of the major things that will cause you to be drained, even if you feed your spirit and endeavor to exercise and rest your spirit, fear and fretting will drain you. I mean, you can be all built up. You could have heard a good message, 
prayed for two hours and feel like you're floating on air and hear a bad report and go sit down in your chair and worry about it for two hours and you'll feel so weak somebody has to come help get you out of the chair. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Fear and worry is like pulling the plug. Your spiritual vigor, your strength will just go out through fear and worry. Don't say you can't help it. I said, don't say you can't help it. Well, I I try not to worry, Brother Keith, but sometimes you just can't. No, the Bible says otherwise. We can cast all our care on him. We can be careful for nothing. We can take no thought, anxious thought, for the morrow. Huh? Now, you practice it properly, people will think something's wrong with you. They'll think, well, you ever heard people say this? He ain't got enough sense to worry. He don't even know what's going on. Look at him. Over there with that dumb smile on his face. Don't even know he's going down the drain. Not if you're in faith. I said, not if you're in faith. But you sitting in the chair, pining away, you pacing the floor, pulling your hair is not faith. And you'd be failing to do the one thing that you could do to give God a legal right to change your situation. I mean, I was uh, reared that way. A lot of you were. That if you care about people, you'll worry. Huh? Well, I got almost a unanimous response on that. People were like, mm, hey, yeah. But it's wrong, isn't it? If you care about people, now let me ask you this. How many people's bills has worry ever paid? Hmm? How many people's relatives and family members have ever been healed by them worrying about it? Can you go to the hospital and worry so intensely that they'll rise up healed? Huh? Can you worry so intensely and pull your hair and be in such an anguish of fretting until money will come and pay their bills? No. Can you believe God? Can you be in faith until healing will come? Yeah. Proven fact from the Bible and millions of testimonies. So then if you really care about people, you cannot let yourself yield. To the feelings of anxiety and fear and worry. If you really care about them. You got to do the one thing that can help them. Believe God. Which means I can't sit there and worry. I can't sit there and cry and feel sorry for them or for myself. I got to get up. Shake this thing off. And cast. That's a strong word. Throw the care of this thing on him. And say Lord you've got it. I don't. I'm happy. If you have to take some toothpicks and poke up the sides. Of your mouth. And say I'm happy. Ha ha. And the devil says you are not your life. Say shut up. I didn't ask you. You're nothing to you. I'm happy. In the Lord I'm rejoicing. I'm calling every need met. Calling every bill paid. I'm thanking the Lord for healing my grandmother. Thanking the Lord for healing my boy. Taking care. I mean this is particularly true with parents. I've worked with parents, especially parents of small ones and and of any age. But sometimes it's one of the biggest, biggest challenges for that parent. They prayed a good prayer. They made a good confession. Now, are you going to check on them a thousand times? Huh? In the next six hours. Did you hear me? (laughs) Are you going to believe God? Hmm? Now, there are times the Lord will lead you to take them to the hospital, too. He knows where we are. He knows where our faith is. But when you're in faith, you have to cast the care on the Lord. If you got to care, he doesn't. Worry, fear, anxiety, anxious care will drain you. It will sap your strength. It will pull the plug on your faith. Everybody say, no fear. Now, the second one, what do we talk about? I jazzed it up a little bit this week, and I used all Fs for my subtitles. So, you know, preachers do that kind of thing. It helps you remember. Number one was what? Fear and fretting. Number two is fussing and fighting. Will that drain you? 
Oh, boy. You know, I wanted to just rush on to the next ones, but I'm not quite through. Go to Genesis, please. Y'all got time for this? I wanted to get through early tonight. I got to Genesis 27. This is the story of uh, how uh, Isaac and Rebekah, you know, had two boys, Esau and Jacob. And how that uh, Esau saw that, well, to make a long story short, he married some women he shouldn't have married. And the Bible says in verse 46, Genesis 27, 46, Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of these daughters of Heth. That's her daughters-in-law. She said, I am weary of my life because of these women. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these of the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do to me or do me? I mean, she felt like she's ready to check out because they had so much strife in the family. Well, that's one reason the Lord told them not to marry with those folk. These people didn't grow up with godly values. They didn't grow up worshiping God. They didn't grow up with the Ten Commandments. They didn't grow up with knowing what was right and good and evil and bad. And they, you know, a lot of folk don't grow up being taught properly. They think it's normal to fuss and fight. People break the dishes and kick the chair and Slap each other and cuss and then it's okay. Ah, we just lost our temper and that's just being human. That is not okay. I said, that is not okay. We're not supposed to live like that. We're supposed to live in peace. You and I are not supposed to be wearied out of our life. Wearied to the point of despair. We'll fussing and fighting wear you down. Will it make you weak in your spirit? Yes, it will. Would that affect your faith for healing? Or your faith for your finances? Oh, I say all like that because I've ministered to people. I had the privilege of working in Dr. Kenneth Hagin's ministry for some 20 years and a large portion of that in a healing school. And I'm thinking of individuals right now that... They'd came and they'd stay with me for a week out at the healing school. We'd minister to them twice a day, teaching, praying for them, laying hands on them. And man, sometimes in a week's time, I mean, they looked like death warmed over on Monday morning. Doctors said they should have been dead two weeks ago. And after two times a day, sometimes we're talking four or five hours a day in the word and praying and worshiping God. They look like a flower in the sunshine. Just begin to blossom. I mean sometimes 80%, 90% improved in a week's time. Had a so-called terminal disease. And uh, go home for the weekend. And come back and be almost where they were the Monday before. Now see some foolish people say, well they didn't get anything to start with. Well sure they did. They had pain so bad they couldn't half stay awake without strong painkillers. By the end of the week, they didn't need them. Couldn't walk without a walker. By Wednesday, they could. Anybody with any sense knows something's going on here. I've had people say, well, I just believe if God heals you, you couldn't lose it. Well, why would you believe such a thing? Have you ever read it in the scripture? I've read where Jesus told people, go and sin no more, lest the worst thing come on you. Sure, you can lose your healing. That's why the scripture said, hold fast what you have. Like we demonstrated last week, it takes strength of spirit to hold on to something. But the thing that was wrong with these individuals is uh, family problems. They'd go back home and all weekend, Aunt Mildred and Uncle Joe and even their mom and daddy and even their spouse that just didn't know any better, talked to them about, oh, how do you feel? And the doctor said, and they say there's no hope. And I just don't know what we're going to do without you. And what do you want song at your funeral? And we've got to make a right. Well, friend, you can't do that. 
You can't talk that stuff. And some folk just nagging. You know, are you doing this? Are you doing that? You got to have faith. You know, you got to have faith. Well, shut up. (laughs) You know, some so-called faith exhortation is just annoying. Hmm? Doesn't help you. That's like needing a thousand dollars and somebody telling you, you know, 40 times, you know, we got to get that thousand. You better be believing. We got to get that thousand. Come on now. Are you believing? Got to get that thousand. Does that help you? No, that's annoying and can be wearing. Can it not? Look with me over in Judges. There's somebody here that knows a lot about this. Fellow by the name of Samson, you heard of him? He was a strong man, wasn't he? One of the strongest that ever was. He got to the place though where he was weak. Judges 16. Isn't that right? The strong became weak. And here's one of the things that did it to him. Judges 16. You remember he hooked up with this woman, Delilah. She was like those daughters of Heth. Ungodly woman. Ungodly. Didn't know God, didn't care. Actually hired by the Philistines. Try to get to him, find out what his strength was. Well, you know, there's a whole message right here. How many know you can't fight Philistines in the daytime and sleep with them at night? It's not going to work, right? That's going to catch up with you and bite you hard, isn't it? Now, I know that sounds humorous, but people try to do that all the time, don't they? You know, I mean, they're preaching against this thing over here, but they're hugging this thing over here. And that's going to hurt you. Well, she kept on pestering him and said, come on now, if you love me, you'd tell me. Why are you are so strong? You're the strongest man. Oh, you're so strong. But if you loved me, you'd tell me. So he told her something and that she'd holler, you know, and the Philistines would jump up. Boy, he should have got a clue right there. Don't you think? When Philistines jump out the closet, <laughs> you should know you got a bad woman. But she must have been a real looker or something. I don't know, because he just keeps... Coming right back. In Judges 16 and verse 15, she said to him, How can you say, I love you? Your heart's not with me. You mocked me. You just made fun of me and made me look like a fool. These three times you have not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words. And urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. Listen to these other translations. It says, uh, the NIV says, with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. It wasn't the Philistines that whooped him. It was this woman's incessant nagging. Wasn't it? The scripture says so. New King James says it came to pass. She pestered him daily with her words and pressed him. So his soul was vexed to death. The NAS says his soul was annoyed to death. Can people's pestering and, (laughs) oh boy, and, uh, and nagging and pressing can it have a, take a toll on your spirit and vex you to the point of fatigue and tiredness? Hmm? Yeah, if you're dumb enough to sit there and listen to it. Hmm? If you subject yourself to that, did he have to be there at Delilah's house? No, shouldn't have been there. And, uh, you know, I thank God for living in America, land of the free. Hmm? You can get up and leave. <laughs> Not necessarily leaving people or just 
cutting off relationships, but especially if you've been diagnosed with a terminal disease, it's not their body. It's not their faith. And if they ain't got enough sense to be quiet and don't know that they're hurting you, you got to have enough sense to get out of it. Did you hear me? Or just not call them or just not talk to them for a while. Are you with me? For certain levels of ministry, you cannot be encumbered with a bunch of foolishness and triviality all the time. When I'm doing certain kinds of ministry, I stay away from people. I know that sounds strange, but sometimes in order to minister effectively to people, you need to first stay away from them. When I first uh, got into the ministry, I thought, well, I'm a minister. I'm a servant of the people. I'm the minister to the people. And I thought that meant that anybody that wanted to talk to me, I'm supposed to talk to them. Anybody that wanted me to pray for them, I'm supposed to pray with them. Anybody that wanted me to counsel with them, I'm supposed to counsel with them. And I'm telling you, it about tired me to death. You know what I'm saying? I wasted countless hours with folk that didn't even want to hear what I had to say. They just wanted to tell me their story. You understand what I'm saying? We must learn how to be led in these things. There are some people you shouldn't spend five minutes with. There are the people a half day spent with them is a good investment. Did you hear me? And only the Holy Ghost knows these things. Do you understand? Some people don't. But I plan on being around a while. The Lord tears is coming. Hmm? And I found out. By making mistakes. That if I wear myself out on the wrong thing. I'm not ready for the right thing. Hmm? I've worn myself out. It wears you out. And so you have to watch it. Now you may not be a preacher. But the principle is exactly the same. You have to watch it. Sitting and talking with people about stuff. For hour after hour. And it's not profitable. Learn to follow your spirit. You can tell, especially if you grow in these things, a lot of times, you know, you want to get to the place where you can tell before you ever sit down. (laughs) So you just never sit down and start. Right? But you may not be there yet. So when you can, you just sense in your spirit, this is unprofitable. This is just draining. This is just vain. Well, don't just keep going on. Smile and be polite and excuse yourself. And go lay across the bed. Be quiet. Wait on the Lord. Renew your strength. Build up yourself. Can you say amen? Amen. There were a number of individuals. We saw a lot of miracles in healing school. A lot of people alive today that were told they couldn't live, you know, the month out. And they've been alive now for 10 years, 15 years, back on the job healthy. But there's also some people that are gone. They went on home to be with the Lord. And there's no doubt in my mind if I could have got them away from their family. Did you hear me? If I could have got them away and out of that environment of unbelief and kept them with us night and day, which you can't do that. I mean, everybody can't live with you. Not supposed to. You know what I'm saying? With you either. No doubt, you know, I think they'd still be alive today. But uh, they were annoyed to death. Hmm? (laughs) my 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 you know another thing go to Ezekiel 24 and I think well this will be a good place for us to unhook tonight Ezekiel 24 number one thing that will drain you is what fear fretting see worry anxiety that kind of thing number two thing that will drain you Fussing. Can you afford to fuss and fight? No, you cannot. You cannot. Can't afford any strife. It'll take a toll on you in your faith. If you want to be strong in faith, strong in your spirit, you can't be embroiled in strife all the time. It takes two to get in a big argument, doesn't it? It's hard for somebody to fuss when the other party won't cooperate. Isn't it? 
They want to be mad. They want to rant. They want to rave. But you ain't got nothing to say. Hmm? You don't have to get embroiled in a big argument. A third thing that'll wear you out is fakery. Falseness. Ezekiel 24.12. Are you there? If not, you can just listen to it. Ezekiel 24.12 says she has wearied herself with lies. Lying will make you tired. Lying will make you weary. Lying will wear you out. Because lies by nature are inconsistent. You tell a lie and it's almost impossible to tell it exactly the same again. And then because there's inconsistencies and people ask you about another area that doesn't seem to pan out and you have to, if you're going to hold with it, you have to tell another lie to prop that one up. Hmm? And you have to tell three more before the week's out. Anybody know what I'm talking to? You don't have to lift up your hand. No testimonies on this. Have you ever heard about this or seen other people do this? Trying to maintain a facade, trying to maintain a front is exhausting. Hmm? It is. Have you ever heard somebody, you know, they go to a meeting or they go on a trip and in the middle of it, they just look at you and sigh and go, boy, I'd be so glad when I can get out of this and go home and just be myself. That's a lot more telling than people intend for it to be. Well, who are you being now? Hmm? Boy, I just, I'd just be so glad when I can just let my hair down and just relax and be myself. You're supposed to be being yourself all the time. And maintaining this falseness, this front, is exhausting. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It is. You know, I, over the years, we've learned some things from some other people that uh, have experience. And then by making mistakes and correcting them, anything that's wearing on you, learn to identify it. What I mean, you shouldn't be exhausted just because you go on a trip. Well, yeah, but they have all these layovers and they have all this stuff. I know. I don't care for it myself. Thank God for airplanes. We flew commercial and spent I don't know how many hours in smoky terminals and ran to gates. I don't know. For years we did that. Now I'll start mine and say, now we're leaving. <laughs> Glory to God. I'm so thankful. But even in the commercial, we learned how to do it. Travel with Dr. Hagen and Miss Aretha. Commercial before they got their airplane. And I remember we had a big, one of the first times I started learning this, we had a big layover in St. Louis. And we were there for a ridiculous amount of time. Seemed like half a day. And uh, he's sitting over there on the side like this. Thought he was asleep. About, I mean, this went on for three or four hours. I mean, he said a few things, did a few things, but then he looked up and he said, are we going to the gate? I had missed the announcement. And he got it. But he is resting. Instead of sitting there going, man, why do they make us wait so long? I despise this. This just wears me out. Just wears me out. This just wears me out. Well, you say that about 50 times. <laughs> if your words have any power at all, you ain't got no choice but to be wore out. You've decreed you're wearing out. Hmm? No, no matter what's going on, it's not just outward. If you can't rest on the inside, you can't rest on the outside. It's possible to have a lot of activity on the outside and yet be resting on the inside. It's possible to be laying across the bed 
perfectly still on the outside and be totally in disrest, unrest on the end. I mean, mind running a hundred miles an hour, heart beating, no peace, right? It's not about being still on the outside. It's about learning how to rest on the inside. Can you say amen? Learning how to cast your cares on the Lord. Learning how to rest. Everybody say rest. And there's no other way for the believer than rest. We which have believed do enter into rest, Hebrew said. Can you say amen? Can you rest in the midst of rush hour traffic? Huh? Can you? It can stretch you sometimes, especially in New York. Everybody are in certain places, certain airports, Christmas time in the biggest mall. How many know what I'm talking about? Could you rest in that? You can. You can learn how. And when you get to the place where you feel like, man, I, oh boy, I've about rested as much as I can. I got to get out of here. Whether go get quiet and rest. Go to Psalms, please. You can rest in the midst of turmoil because you've learned to rest in private. And you take that quietness and that peace with you. But it must be renewed. Everybody say renewed. You must have quiet times with the Lord. Can you say amen? I said you must have quiet times. What do you mean by quiet time? I mean just you, quiet with the Lord, not you yelling and praying at the top of your voice, not you playing a tape, uh, not you with the TV going, even if it's religious broadcasting. There needs to be quiet time. Didn't the scripture say, be still? Hmm? The Lord say, be still and know that I am God. We read from Isaiah last week, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Renewal and waiting go hand in hand. Let me give you two verses in Psalms in closing about how to do this. Psalm 4, the fourth Psalm. In Psalm 4, verse 4, he said, Stand in awe and sin not, hear this now, Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. Listen to other translations. The uh, NIV says, when you're on your beds, search your heart and be silent. The living says, stand before the Lord in awe and don't sin against him. Lie quietly. Upon your bed in silent meditation. You know, parents sometimes, because of reading different ones' books and stuff, are fond of telling their children in crisis time, you need a time out. <laughs> well, you need a time out. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, you need a time out. Huh? Do you know what I'm talking about? You need a quiet time regularly. You're not such that you don't need it. Everybody needs a quiet time. A lot of times it's, you know, work out good when you go to bed in the nighttime. If you go to bed early, instead of just being so exhausted at 1.30, after watching four hours of nothing on TV. Did you hear me? You know, in years past, before they had electricity, see, people would go to bed with the chickens. That minute dark. Old dark 30. What you gonna do? Sit around and look at each other in the dark or, and those coal oil lamps only go so far. I mean, you get ready to blow them out. But even if you stayed up by kerosene lamp for a while, people were, in, you know, they'd be in the bed 
eight o'clock. That's why they didn't have any trouble getting up early. But also, you know, you're not necessarily just going to fall asleep at seven o'clock, eight o'clock. It's conducive to lay there and be quiet. A lot of times you hear from God. And just get quiet and draw strength from him. Be in his presence. On your bed. Be still. Be quiet. Let me read that again. Listen to these other translations. He said, Psalm 4.4, Stand in on sin, not commune with your own heart. Well, that's where the Holy Spirit is. In your spirit. On your bed and be still. Everybody say, be still. He said, lie quietly upon your bed in silent meditation. When you're on your bed, search your heart and be silent. It's good to wake up before you have to get up. A lot of times you've been asleep and your mind is really quiet and your body's really quiet and just lay there. You, you could pray if you want to, but you wouldn't even have to pray. You could praise would be good, but you don't even have to do that either. Just be quiet and be still. You can commune with God in your heart, not say a word out of your mouth. Hmm? Well, this is what enables you to take this with you into rush hour traffic. Did you hear me? You get this at home in your quiet times. You've got some strength in you to deal with the world with. And you have to judge yourself. I check up on myself uh, on my peace level. It tells me how well I'm doing. My patience level, my peace level, my joy level. When I get to feeling like anything gets on my nerves and I hadn't got time with it and I don't want to look at anything else and I don't want to deal with another thing, I know I need a time out. I need a quiet time. You know what I'm saying? I need to get by myself. Especially the more stuff you have to deal with. And the more pressing things are. Go get quiet. Just go to your bedroom. Shut the door. Five o'clock. Six o'clock. After you get off work. Just go in there and shut the door. Don't come out till time to go to work the next day. Miss a meal. Hmm? It won't hurt you. Huh? See what it does for you spiritually though, man. Just lay there and be quiet. And if you fall off to sleep, that's all right. Take a nap. When you wake up, start communing with God again. Pray a little bit. Praise a little bit. Just be quiet. Commune with your own heart on your bed and be still, the scripture said. You will. That's a way to wait on the Lord. You'll renew your strength doing that. Uh, Psalms 46, don't turn that, excuse me, Psalm 63. You don't have to turn there. But it says some of the same things. Psalm 63, 6 and 7. He says, I remember you on my bed and I meditate on you in the night watches. The living says, I lie awake at night thinking of you. Glory to God. Can we be different from the weary of the world? Huh? Do we have to be tired and worn out all the time? Or is that not normal for people of God? I said, that's not normal. We're supposed to be strong and getting stronger. Not always coming in and falling across the couch and going, oh man, what a day. Oh, I'm so tired, I'm so tired, I'm so worn out. I can't, oh, I can't even think straight. No, we'll know we're tapping into some spiritual resources when we can go through a lot of stuff and still think, hey, glory to God, I still feel pretty good. We've had a big day and I still got some reserve. That's how you were supposed to live. We're supposed to live in the rest. Are we not? Hebrews 4 talks about it all through that chapter. The life of faith is the life of rest. There's been times in my life when I did better than at other times. But I had a fellow come to observe me in the healing school. Oh, this has been 10 plus years ago. 
He was supposed to follow me around for three days. He wanted to learn how, how this worked. And, uh, he did. And so I, you know, I just did what I usually do. Sometimes I'd just get on the floor and get quiet and be there for an hour. After about the third day, he said, Brother Keith, he said, if you was any more laid back, you'd be in a coma. <laughs> well, I took that as a compliment, right? Because I'm supposed to be resting. Am I not? I'm not supposed I mean, is it a sign of faith that we're all tense and wired and tired? And Huh? No, that's not faith. That's not good. And such as you have is what you give. I'm believing God that a whole church full of people is being trained up here. Amen. That you can go to the hospital room. And when you walk in, peace comes in with you. You can walk into the funeral home. Put a hand on somebody's shoulder And love is manifest. And peace. And strength. You can go into a situation where people are fussing and fighting and suing and everything else. And and bring clarity. And peace. You know, Jesus told his closest followers, when you go into a house, first thing you do is say, Shalom, peace. Be on this place. And he said, if they're a son of peace, if they're the kind of people that will receive it, that your peace, he said. Did you hear that word? Your. Something that travels with you, that's in you and on you. Your peace will come on them and stay there. This is real. This is real. How many believe you can become stronger in spirit? Greater peace. Greater rest. Greater, the devil can pull his biggest punch and you can throw your head back and laugh and go, ha, ha, ha. This does not move me. I believe just like I did before it happened. God's on the throne. The word is true. This is how it has to end up. How many want to be strong? Strong. Somebody tell you, well, you're going to die. You say, well, number one, I'm not afraid to die. I'm saved. I know what happens when I die. I slip out of my body. I go by the Milky Way. I see the angels. I'm not afraid to die. Somebody say that. I'm not afraid to die. But not only that. I don't have to die until me and God get good and ready for me to die. I have a right to stay here and fight the good fight of faith. And finish my course with joy. And do everything I'm supposed to do in the earth. Hmm? I don't have to die with one of the devil's accidents or stinking diseases. I can live here till I get through. With long life he'll satisfy me. Show me his salvation. Stand up on your feet everybody. Praise you Lord. Lift up your hands and thank him. That he is your strength. Let's begin to say thank you Lord. You're my strength. You make me strong. Thank you, Lord, you are my strength. You make me strong. You make me strong in my spirit. Strong in my mind. Strong in my body. Strong. Hallelujah. Say it out loud. I call myself strong. See, the Bible said, let the weak say, I am strong. Everybody say, I'm strong. I'm strong in my spirit. I'm strong in my mind, strong in my soul, strong in my body, strong in my marriage, strong in business, strong in finances, strong in ministry. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Don't talk tired anymore. If you come in and you feel tired, don't add your words to it. You may just feel fatigued or tired. Sit down in your chair and sit there and say softly, I'm strong in the Lord. Anytime you feel like saying, I am just so strong. (laughs) Can't you say, I'm telling you, 
use your words to help you. Let the weak say. Joel 3.10, the Bible said, let the weak say. Didn't say let the weak say, I'm tired, I can't put one foot in front of the other. That's ungodly, worldly, unbelieving, walking by sight, fleshy talk. That's where the world, the unsaved talks. We're to talk differently. Everybody say it again, I'm strong. I'm strong. I'm strong. I'm strong. My heart is strong. My lungs are strong. My kidneys. My liver. All my glands. My blood vessels. My muscles. My joints. My bones. My brain. I'm strong. I'm strong. Strong in my spirit. Strong in my soul. In Jesus' name. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.